Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. It's been a couple of months since we last had the pleasure of um, inserting ourselves into your ears. (laughs) Good God, that's a terrible way to start. Yes, welcome back. Not much has happened on the world stage. Uh, It's been a bit quiet, hasn't it, in the last few months? Yeah, nothing much to report. (laughs) Thought we'd break the boredom by uh, doing another podcast. But this is are we going to say games on film 2.0 i don't know i think this is more just uh resuming after a a brief hiatus i don't think we're going to necessarily designate season one of the podcast or season two necessarily nothing much has changed at least in terms of what we're up to (laughs) in terms of video game movies and video game movie news it's just that uh all the video game movies that we expected to be watching in the coming months have probably been delayed in the interim, but there's still plenty of old shit for us to listen to. Hey, some of it's new shit. (laughs) Some of it only came out last year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, before we get back into the swing of things proper, we thought we'd have a little bit of a warm-up episode, because last year, in episode 30 of the podcast, we were live at EGX Resed, And we did a show where we were pitching to each other our dream video game movie adaptations. So video games we would have liked to have seen versions of on the big screen. So we decided that uh, for a little warm up this time instead, we would look at the other way around and pitch to each other games based on movies we would like to see. So movie tie-in games. Because there was a time probably I'd say in the 80s and 90s, were the golden era of movie tie-in games. It didn't seem like any blockbuster could get a release unless it had some usually fairly crappy platform game uh, coming out on the systems mm. at the time. So it's it's still... Uh, it, you still get your movie tie-in games, usually with Lego at the front of it, um, <laughs> but uh, they don't come out quite as often. It's no longer the... Uh, It's no longer as essential to a blockbuster film release uh, in the same way that a rap song over the credits (laughs) on the soundtrack to the film, uh, you get that much nowadays either, which is a shame, is a loss. Yeah, I'm just trying to think the last time I heard Will Smith sing the title music of one of his films. I do think it happened quite recently, but I'm struggling to think. Did he do one for Bright? He he did one for uh, Aladdin. He did like a... A slightly oh, yes. wrapped up version of one of the songs. Although I don't know whether he... I didn't see Gemini Man, so maybe he did something <laughs> there. Mm, maybe, or... He was like, what rhymes with Gemini? Eminem and I. Featuring Eminem. <laughs> but of course, Aladdin and The Lion King had tie-in video games, tie-in platformers, which yeah. were very fondly received. Yeah, yeah. But we decided to come up with three ideas 
ourselves for movies we would like to see a video game version of. What kind of game would it be? What system might it be released for? What sort of a... I don't know. (laughs) How many players? (laughs) How much you'd charge for a monthly subscription? What would be the installation size in gigabytes? (laughs) I was interested to hear you say what system it would be on. I did not consider that. And... You know, you could say, oh, my game would be so uh, advanced, it could only feature on the PS6 or the PS7. It would be that powerful. Because um, I think in the last few days, the PS5 had its grand unveiling to almost a universal shrug, unless you're a massive tech boy. I think it was the first ever video game console announcement, which I just took minus 100% interest in. Oh, so you were really jazzed about the Xbox Series X then? <laughs> I actually have no idea. Yeah, see? I have no idea what generation that is. Uh, that's the newest Xbox. So yeah, it's like the PS5, you had minus 1000% interest, but yet you didn't even know that there was an Xbox uh, reveal. Right now, Nintendo could just do a Nintendo Direct, which says, we have solved the Joy-Con drift problem. And I'll just lose my shit. <laughs> it's like, yes, we're going to call it the Switch Ultra. And I'd say, yes, take my money. Did you end up sending our ideas for video game movies to any movie studios? Uh, no. But so this this acts as oh. like a copyright licensing. We came up with these ideas, proof, evidence, so we can submit them to studios afterwards. Yes. So even though they are technically based on existing IPs, the transition via podcast onto a video game cartridge, because I think video games still come on cartridges. I mean, that makes it us. That makes it ours. It's games on film seal of quality on the side there. And we also have suggestions from our audience. We put a call out on our social media channels for listener suggestions. And so we'll be going over some of your ideas uh, towards the end of the show. And again, they are now property of Games on Film too. So (laughs) thanks very much. I can't remember if we told people that, but we're saying it now. (laughs) it's, It's legal. I mean, my wife is a lawyer, so I just defer to her for all um, legal matters. Um, But it also means I lose most arguments. (laughs) (laughs) So, without further ado, shall we start on our first batch of uh, video games? I think you're going to start first. Yes. So, the movie that I would like to see a video game tie-in for, I have um, chosen Big Trouble in Little China. Now, this is uh, very amusing to me because when we're discussing this episode, we both revealed we had a film in 1986 that we both wanted to do. And also, it just so happened to have had a game already on the Commodore 64. <laughs> I think this is be- this is the problem when you do a podcast with a brother <laughs> because we we had the same upbringing and there are a few films more important to our development than Big Trouble Little China. Yes, I I should say that we haven't told each other what games we have chosen. It was only through sort of hints that we would know that we hadn't picked the same thing, but it became very clear that we had both 
<laughs> suggested big trouble little china through revealing uh certain layers to our ideas mm. um but the reason i went with big trouble little china and and yes i wasn't aware that there had been a tie-in game when i selected it as you say there was something at the time maybe like a year after the film came out in commodore 64 amstrad and uh, the spectrum as well. The, the the movie is very dear to our hearts. For those who have not seen Big Trouble Little China and therefore had a pretty miserable existence up until this point, what is the plot? It's a John Carpenter movie starring Kurt Russell as Jack Burton, who is a truck driver who gets entangled with Chinese street gangs who are being led by a sort of reincarnated demigod called Lopan. And in the hubbub, his truck gets stolen. And the whole drive, to use a pun for the character, is he just wants his truck back. So it's like a damsel in distress style setup. So rather than like Mario, <laughs> um, Mario trying to rescue the princess... Uh, the lead character in this is trying to rescue his truck. I mean, pretty understandable. You can't haul much pork in <laughs> a girl with green eyes. Um, it's a truck he's after. His mate, his best mate, Wang, is technically the hero of the piece because the film was marketed as Gene-wearing American all-action hero, but he's complete buffoon, and it's Wang who's trying to rescue his girlfriend from Lopan, who's mm. really the proactive guy and that's the humor of the film um but what would the game be like lay it on me well i i think it's probably quite an obvious suggestion but a sort of side-scrolling beat-em-up is my idea for it because the original tie-in game was technically a side-scrolling beat-em-up but you look at it now and it's virtually unplayable it's it's only hmm. a vague representation of the film it's a, on a single plane isn't it the old video game yeah so it's like super mario but rather than jumping you on the mushrooms you beat the shit out of them and not even double dragon is on multiple planes isn't it you can go up and down the screen left and right so yeah and would you would you want it in the modern day or are you looking at a sort of a, a pixel art thing so what i was thinking was it would have been nice if a Big Trouble Little China game came out, but maybe waited about five or six years later. So if there was something which existed sort of in the early 90s, so looking very much like Streets of Rage, Final Fight era, that would mm -hmm. be absolutely perfect. Because I think, yes, the, you know, obviously Streets of Rage 4 came out earlier this year, and there are modern side-scrolling beat-em-ups, but in a way they have to almost reconcile with the fact that this is a rather old format and then try and update it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just like overcomplicates things, but I don't want it very complicated. I would want it very simple, you know, just like button mashing, you play it with friends. No combos whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't really need it. Like the structure of the film lends itself perfectly to that. So... You have different locations. You have a lot of side characters who could be, you know, different characters that you let co-op characters. With uh, Lopan's minions, the three storms, they act perfectly as level bosses. 
Uh, you get a mm -hmm. variety of very sort of colourful backdrops in terms of, you know, the airport, uh, you know, San Francisco airport. You have Chinatown, back alleys and streets. You have Lopan's Lair. You've got sort of warehouse. You've got all these areas which already fit into a sort of Streets of Rage level mould. And, and also the music as well. I can, a sort of a... Uh, 16-bit style version of the soundtrack probably doesn't sound too much different to John Carpenter's, you know, synths and everything. And John Carpenter himself is is a big gamer. Like, he's only... Oh, I didn't know that. Well, like, if you follow him on Twitter, the only things he ever seems to tweet about are his music and he'll just say, I completed Dead Space 3. <laughs> or, <laughs> I've been playing Destiny 2. Apparently, he was really big into Sonic. I read an interview with him from a few years back and he played all the Sonic games and he even played like all the really bad ones, like where Sonic Unleashed, where it's like a werewolf and stuff on the Wii. So yeah, he's a committed gamer. It seems that's all he does in his spare time now. <laughs> I mean, people asking, Hey, John Carpenter, why haven't you made any movies lately? And he says, Oh yeah, you know, people, I wish people asked, but in reality, it's because he spends nine hours a day playing Sonic. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I think big trouble, little China I'm not looking for a huge amount of bells and whistles. I would just love it if, you know, on the Sega Mega Drive, someone decided to do that game and it exists from that time. I don't want it updated. I want it to have existed then. So it could just be very simple, very straightforward, but have the look, feel, aesthetic and style uh, from the film with a touch of, mm. you know, supernatural martial arts comedy um, thrown in so I think it'd be like ideal for that era it does seem a film as you say that is just purpose built for a beat-em-up game uh, you just you play as Jack Burton you play as Wang you play as Egg Shen you could play as is it Gracie is mm -hmm. the photojournalist and I'm assuming at the end of the game like Double Dragon you have to fight uh, each other for the girlfriend <laughs> no <laughs> it's like and, and jack burt is like wait i don't she's your girlfriend i'm not after um your girlfriend and wang still has to fight you for her oh yeah and then there's power-ups because they drink that's they drink that potion. six demon bag um six demon bag the final boss battle, you'd have Lopan throwing a knife at you and you'd have to catch it with perfect timing. There'd be a driving section with the truck where you're running over bike punks, just like he does in real life. <laughs> yeah. Because Jack Burton arrives at the airport. She's like, I ran over like six dudes on the way here, but no one's going to say anything. Yeah, good shout. And yeah, like I said, I think we both... We both came up with ideas separately, and, and I think this is going to be a recurring theme of this episode. I kind of want to play it now. Yeah. <laughs> 83% says Computer and Video Games Magazine. Yes, 83. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, Wang, it's only a game. Nothing or double. This knife cuts this ball in half. Nothing or double. Bullshit. Nothing or double, Jack. Why, man, don't be stupid. I need the money. I got near a thousand bucks here, Wang. 1,148, Jack. Okay. But not that bottle. The 
this problem. Okay. You're out of your mind, Wang. God bless you. <laughs> on the reflexes well my choice my first choice remains in the 80s i was gonna say similarly iconic but i feel big trouble little china is very much a cult film isn't it yeah i mean i was i was amazed when you told me that the commodore 64 game for big trouble little china came out like a year after the film because the film was a bit of a flop wasn't it it's only kids like us who saw it on itv in heavily edited form and we thought it was the best thing ever <laughs> uh my choice is a nightmare on elm street Ooh. which i've pitched as the sims meets animal crossing meets eternal darkness <laughs> okay now most of you probably know what The Sims and Animal Crossing is. Uh, Eternal Darkness was a game on the GameCube, which was survival horror, but had something called a sanity meter. And the more you're exposed to horrific elements, the more your sanity dropped. And I wanted to sort of take this idea that you, you can drive somebody insane and insert it into something like a life simulator. Because whenever I get my hands on a life simulator like The Sims, one of the first things I like to do is create a very scary sort of landscape and to put somebody effectively in a nightmare. And so I thought, why not just turn this into the actual point of the game? Now, um, like uh, Big Trouble in Little China, there has been a video game version. There was one on the NES. Yes. And I took a look at it. It was developed by Rare, by the way, by oh, okay. Rareware, uh, which surprised me. And it seemed to be you played Johnny Depp, <laughs> basically, because he, he he was introduced in the first Friday the 13th film. Nightmare on Elm Street. Pardon? You said he was introduced in the first Friday the 13th film. Oh, <laughs> well, yes, I think perhaps my uh, the reason why Nightmare on Elm Street was so much in my mind is that I've been playing a few of the Friday the 13th games which have come out the last few years. Yeah, Johnny Jet was first introduced in uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street and in the NES version of the game, you were him. You would jump over rats and collect bones and throw the bones in the furnace. And I think there was a, a like a, a meter where you would it would lower and lower until you fell asleep and you could sort of increase the meter by drinking coffee and things. But my game is a little bit different. You would control Freddy Krueger, who would functionally be the, the director of each level or nightmare. Um, well, sidestep the fact that you'd, you'd be portraying like a ch child molester. Or I think in the f 80s film, he's just a child killer. So... Yeah, we'll just sidestep that. <laughs> but what what I'd thought you'd do, the way the game would start in your real world and you would follow a, a randomly generated AI character with randomly generated fears and you would sort of see what they might be scared at. You could sort of do things poltergeist style to sections of the environment to see how they react to it. So maybe you know, a spider scuttles across 
the floor and they go to it. I don't know. But eventually they'd go to sleep. And I thought rather than having like a life meter or something at the bottom right of the screen, you'd have their sleeping body there. And the more they would shake and call out, the closer they'd come to the moment where you could do the final strike, the final death stroke. But the fun would be the sort of creative sort of Animal Crossing side of things, okay. for want of a better expression, would be you would, you would build the dream world yourself. You would uh, drag and drop scary things and you'd kind of create the sort of ghost train for them to walk through. When the teenager goes to sleep, they would enter the dream world you've created and they'd follow the path you set. And you could sort of create sort of events which increases their fear. And they'd have this meter which would go down and down, making them more vulnerable and more vulnerable. And I like the idea that as they're getting more distressed in the real world, they're calling out and that little screen I was talking about, their like boyfriend or their parents would come up and sort of try and wake them. Mm-hmm. So there'd be there'd be this real balancing act towards the end where um, if they make too much noise or wailing too early, they get woken up too quickly. So you have to sort of hit this sweet spot uh, where you can get them into the maximum terror or vulnerability and then kill them before they're woken up. So in a nutshell, it is just a, a nightmare simulator <laughs> where you create where you create the nightmares and. I'd hope that Robert Englund, who portrayed the original Freddy Krueger, would come back to do the voice. And, you know, I just think it would be nice, clean, fun, (laughs) where you play a colossal pervert, (laughs) scaring teenagers. But going back to Friday the 13th, that, that game is a little rough around the edges. But a lot of love's been put into it. And I'd want the same kind of love and care put into this. Like in terms of the style of the game, would you want it more like the first Nightmare on Elm Street film or more of the jokey style Freddy Krueger? Like, are you pitching it as like, it's goofy and fun? Or are you trying to be all like twisted and scary? I think I would go more the goofy side. Okay. I'd have to say. Um, I actually watched to its completion the nightmare on elm street remake last night as i was typing up my notes i discovered it was on netflix and i say to completion because i definitely attempted to watch it like five years ago and i fell asleep which is like the worst thing you could do (laughs) are you sure we're not still in your dream right now and then freddy Krueger is gonna come up and grab you from behind because you're wearing headphones it's a podcast ah it also should be mentioned that video games have featured in A Nightmare on Elm Street movie in uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. He does uh, kill somebody who is sort of... It's kind of a weird sequence. He, the, the kid, the teenager, I think is taking drugs. And I think the scene starts with a PSA from Johnny Depp himself who has a fried egg in a frying pan and says, this is your brain on drugs. And then Freddy um, smacks Johnny Jet with a frying pan. So this is when it got a little bit silly, I hasten to add. (laughs) (laughs) They did toy with the idea of Freddy Krueger having frying pans for hands rather than blades. (laughs) 
boy. Dad? Be like me. Be like me. Be like me. Father knows best. I'm not like you. I don't want to be like you. Not like you. Be like me. Now I'm playing with power. god well i mean in the game this kid this kid on drugs he gets transported into a video game which freddy then plays and it sort of looks like an 8-bit game but instead of knives he the kid is transported to like a locker room level and freddy krueger kind of towel whips him along the screen <laughs> so it's absolutely terrifying it's one of the good things about doing this sort of episode is that we're going to get to talk about a few films which I don't think we'll ever, ever talk about, mm. um, sadly. Yeah, I can. I could quite happily do, see myself playing a, a Nightmare Creation simulator. Okay. <laughs> okay. Watch the space. <laughs> well, actually, my next suggestion is not too dissimilar. So if I can talk mm. about my second choice, staying in the realms of horror, I am going to suggest a video game version of The Cabin in the Woods. Ooh. Because you mentioned Friday the 13th games and stuff like Dead by Daylight and uh, Resident Evil Resistance uh, as part of Resident Evil 3. These are the sort of asymmetric horror games where one is the killer or mastermind or is pulling all the strings and the other people have to survive the horror. And I'm thinking that I would put this game on the Wii U <laughs> uh, because I, I think that's probably around about era appropriate for uh, The Cabin in the Woods when it was released. But also, I guess the Wii U was something that never really quite took off, but in a way was something of a pioneer in terms of asymmetric multiplayer. The fact that one person would have the screen controller and the other people would have their separate controllers, and so one person could be in charge. So, for instance, Zombie U, which was a launch title for the Wii U and has since been ported as Zombie with just an I, no E at the end, on other platforms that had an asymmetric multiplayer where one person could had a map and they could plant zombies on the map and the other person playing had to survive all the zombies so you could sort of like in a way create you know sort of just pop zombies and uh, and stuff and the other player would have to defeat them and i thought that's quite a a, a neat thing so with The Cabin in the Woods and spoilers for The Cabin in the Woods. Yes, I was going to say, again, this is sort of a culty movie, which I think everyone knows about now. But if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, you really should, because it's a lot of fun. And it's one of those films you need to sort of stick with for a little bit before you know really what's going on. But yes, so spoilers briefly for uh, the film. The idea of the film is that it's a very generic horror film setup, a cabin in the woods, 
as is the title, but it's actually uh, people pulling the strings and manipulating the situation for their own means. So the reason why there's all these kind of horror tropes that they encounter and the lead characters start to fall into certain stereotypes of a slasher style horror movie is because of larger, grander steam in place without going into too much detail. But the way the game would work is that you have characters who are controlling the young meat to be slaughtered and you have another character who is the sort of mastermind of the situation and there would be at the start of each round auto-assigned a sort of horror movie threat mm-hmm. and the other players would be auto-assigned stereotypes and they would then have <laughs> to survive the scenario so for instance if you are the beefcake you would then have to collect books found around the map to up your smarts and therefore make it easier for you to break out of traps or solve puzzles. Uh, If you're the stoner character, you'd have to find like packs of coffee or something to sober up so your reactions would be quicker in various situations. So the way the game would play out would be, you know, different phases of a round. So you get so far and then this happens and then you get so far and then this happens. So it's not just like running around and hiding and not being killed. There's a bit more puzzle work and cooperation that's uh, going into it to survive. So would this be online multiplayer with, with other people? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, it might be a little bit complicated, not sure how it would quite work out, but... Um, Speaking of The Cabin in the Woods and video games, apparently there was actually going to be a tie-in expansion pack with Left 4 Dead 2 with yes, The Cabin in the Woods. I remember now. So, uh, according to the uh, co-writer and director Drew Goddard on Reddit and an AMA, uh, he said, and I quote, We actually were going to do a downloadable... Left 4 Dead 2 expansion pack where you'd fight in the cabin world, but then MGM went bankrupt, so the delay squashed it. But the people at Valve were still cool enough to let us use some of their monsters to fill the cubes in the background. I had a lot of cubes to fill. So if you watch the shot when they first descend from the cabin, again, spoilers, you can actually see in some of the cubes you have a witch from Left 4 Dead, you have a boomer, you have a tank, so you have some of the different kinds of like special zombies from the game and make an appearance there. And uh, he goes on to say that the game was going to be amazing. You were going to be able to play in both the upstairs cabin in the woods world and the downstairs facility world with all the monsters. Believe me, I hate all video games based on movies. They always suck. But porting cabin into Left 4 Dead felt like the right fit. It pains me that it didn't happen. Oh, man, I'm sorry. He had the conch in his hands. In a couple more minutes, who knows what might have happened. I am never going to see a merman. Ever. Dude, be thankful. Those things are terrifying. The cleanup on them is a nightmare. So that's my The Cabin in the Woods video game. Good idea. I've got an idea. My second idea, which, again makes me rather sad because I did some research and I discovered this game existed and then was cancelled. So my idea is Highlander. One of my favourite films. One of my... Yep, not even a guilty pleasure. Full-on pleasure. 
I'm not so much a fan of the, I mean, I don't think there's any Highlander fan who loves the sequels. There, you might tolerate the sequels. But um, I actually watched the pilot episode of the TV series this morning and it was painfully 90s. <laughs> but from what I read, after watching the pilot, I can skip 13 episodes and that's when it starts getting good. So I think I'm going to do that. But if you don't know what Highlander is, you play an immortal and uh, you play an immortal <laughs> in the film raiden himself christopher lambert plays connor mcleod a scotsman with a convincing accent who um he dies on the battlefield on the ancient battlefield and he discovers that he cannot die he's immortal and immortals like him are eventually called to a far off land aka new york to sword fight until only one remains. As the tagline goes, there can be only one. And it's a franchise which has spawned TV shows, animated series, comic books, all that stuff. And um, I've been fascinated by this film series for a long time. So I had the idea for an action RPG set across hundreds of years. And much like your storms from Big Trouble in Little China, you would fight immortals as bosses. And the way to kill an immortal is to cut off the head and then you your stats increase. You get the quickening, which energises you and makes you become more and more powerful. And I thought, rather than the films which do flashbacks to uh, Colin, Colin... No, I'm getting my clouds confused. No, because, no, seriously, I watched the anime as well. I watched a bit of the anime, and he's called Colin McLeod and that. In the TV show, he's called Don- Duncan. <laughs> Duncan. Uh, Duncan McLeod. But in my research, I discovered there was, there had been a video game which was announced in 2008, but then was cancelled in 2010, where you played the character... Owen McLeod. I've roamed this earth for over 2,000 years. I fought as a slave in the arenas of Rome as Vesuvius laid Pompeii to waste. I fought Viking raiders, spilling their blood on the soil of my adopted homeland. Long after all I knew, all I loved had died. I went to war with the samurai, slaying Tenju warriors in the shadow of Mount Fuji. Civilizations have come and gone. Enemies have risen and fallen, yet I survive. My blade defends the destiny of all mankind. Others may lose their head in the heat of battle, not I. My name is Owen McLeod, and I am immortal. There can be only one. I mean, uh, there's very little online about it. There is just a trailer and then one or two images. But it was slated for, I think, the Xbox 360, uh, PlayStation 3. Um, But I think where my idea slightly differs is that I'd love to see a game set across hundreds of years, but in one location. So Hmm. you would have these huts 
which I mean, it would be almost like those I think civilization games, yeah, but on ground level. So you would start with these huts, and then they'd turn into a town, and then a city, then high rises. But there'll be various recognizable things there. You know, if just if if it's even if it's just the landscape. But in a nutshell, the actual gameplay would be, you know. S- sorting up loads of punks and eventually cutting off the head of some fool (laughs) (laughs) it reminds me a little bit of the way i picture it is like no more heroes i think so yes slightly less attackery if i've used the word correct what did you say well i wanted to say otaku oh then i went otakuri which is not a word Obviously not in terms of this, you know, like No More Heroes and the style and everything, but I mean just in terms of the way the gameplay is structured and that yes, you would enter course, a level and then you go through, you know, slash up a bunch of punks or whatever and then have like different style boss fights with effectively still using sword play, but, you know, each of the boss fights in No More Heroes has a very different sort of way mm. it goes about that. So, yeah, I can kind of see that, but in a slightly more sort of serious Scottish version of it. Yeah, but it must have a rock soundtrack though, because I think that's one thing a lot of the sequels got wrong. They didn't have Queen. They probably couldn't afford Queen. In the uh, pilot episode for the TV show, and I think the guy who wrote the TV show also wrote the story for the video game, which got cancelled. He was like really involved in Highlander for like a decade. Um, in the TV show, they use the same music from Queen over and over and over. They managed to stuff like all three of the Queen songs into 45 minutes. I think the title itself, the title song is Prince of the Universe. And um, there was pretty much like like a monster of the week. There was an immortal of the week with a different kind of sword technique. So I'm looking forward to watching that show now despite trying to avoid it for years. <laughs> um, but um, what's I going to say? I just like the idea that you could collect weapons and techniques through the centuries. It has a sort of idea how um, one of the big things about Highlander and being an immortal is how it is relationships and how, you know, you see everyone you know die. And I thought, oh, it'd be fun if you could like get either a love interest or a friendship which would sort of multiply how much xp you get but would limit you in other ways like would make enemies stronger and things so like i said it's sort of an action rpg which i've been playing a few at the moment i've been playing things like bastion and transistor by uh, supergiant games and both those games feature ways you can increase the amount of xp you get but by sacrificing certain other things I also think there could be like a, a, a nice multiplayer mode where you fight each other and just cut each other's heads off. Cutting heads off is a big thing in Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the animated series, um, which got inexplicably made, and then that people will just hand their swords over to transfer their power, which is a little bit unsatisfactory. But yes, watching the trailer for the Highlander game, we realised that I, I could have had a taste of heaven, but it wasn't to be. But um, I'm sure the game would have been shite anyway. So <laughs> my my idea is a not shite Highlander game, <laughs> <laughs> which would make it just having the phrase not shite and Highlander in the same sentence puts it 
maybe even above the first film itself yeah. <laughs> because there's something delightfully shitty about Highlander, which um, I think it's the, it's the camp appeal of it, which I really enjoy as well. Arguably, it'd be the only non-shite Highlander thing. <laughs> yes. I think in the, in the start, when you're creating your character, you could select your uh, character's you know, place of birth and then their accent because that film famously has Sean Connery playing an Egyptian Spaniard with a Scottish brogue opposite a Frenchman mangling uh, a Scotch accent. So Maybe it should be the same voice actor and they haven't been told that that's what they have to do. So everything would be like, okay, and now do all your dialogue French. And they'd be like, oh. I think Sean Connery did do a, a video game voice. He's retired, but he could be tempted back to play from Miras. And But yes, spoilers, he dies in Highlander 1, but he comes back for Highlander 2. This is a series which every five minutes retcons itself. So I don't care how many cousins uh, Connor the Cloud has. Yeah, that is my option too, Highlander. Okay, this is my third and final choice, but I just want to say a couple of things that didn't make it. A couple of sub-choices I had were a whiplash river match and game. Oh, that's good. You have to play the drums while J.K. Simmons shouts at you. I'd imagine easy mode would be next to impossible. <laughs> it gets harder from there. And uh, being John Malkovich VR... <laughs> oh oh that'd be so good because they have all these like batman vr and iron man vr it's like put you in the role of the mm. character well you know being john matrovich that's the whole point of the movie so being john matrovich <laughs> vr coming soon and i could imagine i mean i don't even think google glass is a thing anymore but john malkovich himself could wear google glass and he'd have like 10 million people watching through his yeah. brain <laughs> <laughs> wow my actual final third choice i am going with a video game version of nightcrawler which Ooh. will be a mixture of grand theft auto meets pokemon snap <laughs> well first go around get a shot inside the car Back away. I got it. I'm back. I'm back. Will this be on television? Morning news. If it bleeds, it leads. Are you currently hiring? I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back. I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning. You were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Does it have GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. Okay. We're taking the next right. That's stupid! They beat the police. I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Excuse me. I have something you'll be very excited about. You have a good eye. I want you to contact me when you have something. Something like this. Think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. You will be seeing me again. Any unit, residential 211. Home invasion. So this is like a, a narrative-led sandbox game. So it's an open Los Angeles for you to explore in a kind of Grand Theft Auto-style thing. But what you do is you start off as a sort of individual um, photojournalist camera person and then you tune into the crime scanners 
and you have to listen out for crimes and crime scenes, you know, taking place. And then you have to sort of decide, you have to factor in the distance, the value to yourself in terms of oh, what level of crime it is that you can go on videotape and sell to the news stations. And then gradually as the game gets on, you start to manufacture crimes yourself in order to get bigger bucks. It starts to get into like a kind of empire building game. So you start small, you overtake network rivals, you undercut competition, but then you gradually spread out and manage other people to start doing your work um mm. and you have to kind of like you know sort of factor in where crimes are taking place and you know at the start of the game it's like driving around you arrive at the scene and then it switch into a sort of first person view where you kind of move around and take the photos and you have to get out before the cops show up and all that kind of stuff mm. or and you know this is quite quite a grisly subject matter because in the film he is taking often video of car crashes and the aftermath of shootouts and i can imagine in your game you would get more points the longer you have your subject in camera there'd be like this increasing increasing points meter yeah maybe i mean it's one of those things like grand theft auto games as a whole like play with the idea of your portraying a sort of amoral person but then it does it in this like really kind of nasty CD. Yeah, but the whole world's amoral and it's filled with vacuous celebrities and everyone's corrupt. <laughs> and it's not really like a nice place to be. And I'm not saying that this would be, but I feel like like a game version of this would try and take the subject matter just a bit more sort of like a seriously. And I know a lot of games nowadays, you'd like you go into a room, shoot a hundred people, and then you're kind of like, oh, wow, violence is so senseless. And <laughs> what have I done? And I think it'd be kind of nice to have a game which like addresses that, but just in the nature of its existence. And it's not like, you know, like the character that Jake Gyllenhaal plays in the film doesn't really have any moral core. And it's like fascinating to watch him, you know, watch this character exist. So having a game where you also play like this amoral character is, is nothing necessarily new, but I think it's just, I, I don't necessarily think of the game as like trying to reconcile that in any way beyond the way the film does in of itself. But I just think it's like a kind of, I think it'd be like an interesting uh, empire building management sim GTA with videoing crime scenes uh, <laughs> sort of thing. I don't know. I think it's like ripe for different aspects of video games which haven't quite meshed together before. So, hmm. yeah, I think there's like a ripe of, for possibility with that. Yeah, I think it ha it occupies this interesting space where you're kind of passive, but you're not. I think you're not causing the violence, you're just recording it. But um, I think well, the character I most identify in that film is Riz Ahmed, who gets employed by Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah. And is slightly freaking out of it, completely understandably as well. It's a really haunting film. If you're not, if you're not seeing it, check it out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, cool. And, um, you know, it's been a bit of a while since we've had any sort of Grand Theft Auto game. Although I think... Was it Grand Theft Auto Five got announced for the PlayStation Five again? Yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, nice, nice idea. Um, I had a few 
runners up mm-hmm. in my in my ideas bag. I think I really this was actually going to be one of my main ideas, but I'm thinking I'm going to hold it for a later episode because I don't think there's ever been the perfect James Bond game. And now we're going to talk about James Bond in a future episode when No Time to Die eventually comes out. <laughs> but surprisingly for a series where one of the best games of all time is included in its list, Goldeneye for the N64, James Bond is not usually a mass murderer. He's got a license to kill, but usually he kills like a couple of people, especially in like the books. So uh, we'll get I'll get to that to a later date, but I think there's opportunities for a, like a a pitch perfect Bond game where where like the like the Batman Arkham games makes you feel like Batman. You'd have a James Bond game making you feel like James Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my other one was a just a complete redress of Sing Star. I want a Moulin Rouge game. <laughs> okay, Moulin Rouge is a film I get hot and cold on. Sometimes I really dig it. Um, sometimes I'm like, this is the biggest piece of shit ever. <laughs> but you can't deny the aesthetic is spectacular. And I'd love to play a singing video game where you get rewards for being as flamboyant as possible. And I think the kind of songs that film has, they're often like remix versions of some classics. I think that would be a good list. But I think the idea for Moon on Rouge really just was the end result of me trying to find a video game based on one of my favourite musicals. But I couldn't find a satisfying way to integrate the songs from like Rocky Horror or Little Shop of Horrors into a video game yeah. <laughs> without, t- without turning it into a platform. I mean, how would you make a musical video game? Please let us know. So my third and final actual choice, it's kind of, the, the mechanics are self-explanatory, but it is going to be Battle Royale. It's kind of a touchy subject, again, it's kids killing kids, but I thought I'd get around this because by using the sort of chibi graphics and a sort of like isometric style like you get in, in that Friday the 13th killer puzzle I mentioned. But also, you know, the, the phrase Battle Royale is used in video games all the time now, but usually for things like Fortnite and stuff. I thought it'd be good if there's a game where you get a randomly assigned uh, weapon and then you have to go out and be the last person standing. Um, if you don't know the film, it was originally a uh, book, which then became very famous. I think it was infamous. It got banned in America for a length of time because it was, again, school kids killing school kids. But in the film, this uh, the school bus of kids are sent to a remote island and they must fight to the death. There is a sort of commentary about society breaking down and like a lot of video games based on movies i'm gonna i mean i'm just gonna go for the surface level stuff (laughs) i'm not gonna explore the social commentary of that but this island is split into grids as well and i thought in both the film and the game certain uh grids some certain squares on the grids um become deadly um over the course of a uh 
like level or run or a timer. It wouldn't be played over three days like the <laughs> film. <laughs> it would be every few minutes a grid would become deadly. And each yeah. character, of course, wears an explosive collar. And if you find yourself in a deadly grid, you uh, your head gets blown off. But that's what Fortnite has taken as well. So it's really as, okay. as the game evolves, then different parts, the map shrinks. So it forces everyone to come together. And if you'd like get caught in the storm as the map shrinks then you lose so you have not played Fortnite. so <laughs> part of the fun of the film is that there are some weapons which seem entirely useless and some seem more powerful um i think people are given things like like paper fans and a rope or a pot lid but then there's some people end up with an uzi but i think there'll be a nice balance between the weapons like the uzi of course would be one of the deadliest weapons but would have quite a limited ammo and quite a a wide spread of fire so part of the challenge would be to maybe pick up weapons that you find i think your character would have the ability to punch kick or strangle their enemy as well so if you can get up close to somebody you could attack them that way i thought an interesting idea would be the idea of um, xp and if there's one person left, if there is one person standing, they get loads of XP and all the dead get a small portion. But if there are two people at the end or more, then nobody gets any XP. So there'll be a, a sort of a choice people would have to make as the timer reaches zero, whether they sacrifice themselves for the greater good or not. So... um. Yeah, I just thought, 30 people on a grid. Let's have a bit of uh, morally questionable fun. (laughs) Good stuff. Okay, so that is our suggestions covered. I think they all sound brilliant. I can't wait to buy them all as soon as they come out, because (laughs) they have to now, right? We've willed them into existence. Yeah, Sony have been listening to these video game podcasts just for any ideas at all. And they're like, a Battle Royale game? That's not problematic in the slightest. Go with it. (laughs) We're going to move on to some listener suggestions. We'll open up the Games on Film mailbag and see what's inside. That sounded so much like you were actually looking inside. (laughs) It was very convincing. If you want to contact the show, uh, you can send us an email, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And we got an email actually from our brother Hamish, who has appeared on a few episodes as well as a special guest. And he sent a couple of uh, very entertaining suggestions. First of which was the game I'd most like to see based on a film is Kiki's Delivery Service. I want to fly slowly around a beautiful seaside town, brewing spells, delivering cates and saving nerds from blimps. Instead of levelling up, you grow increasingly apathetic due to making your hobby a job and eventually fall into a deep depression. And you've won the game. So... Uh, I was really really with that (laughs) until the end, but that's kind of the plot of the film. I had Kiki's Delivery Service down as a sort of backup suggestion myself, Mm. and so I can really picture just a very beautiful, maybe cel-shaded, animated-looking game... And I think just having something where it's it's like a kind of big open world, but you can take things at your own pace and maybe Animal Crossing style, have like a few little 
side tasks to do and making deliveries and things. I think it's a, it'd be a perfect uh, experience. I think it's so funny how many video games are out there with wonderfully realised worlds and cities and towns and things, but you're kind of reduced to walking through the streets or Spider-Manning over the rooftops. So it'd be lovely just to fly on a broomstick and yeah. have a have a Saki cat with you as well. <laughs> as long as there's wonderful FMV sequences of baking bread and other delicious Ghibli food. I think maybe a mini game rather than just oh, the FMV. Yeah, baking, a baking mini game. Good idea, Hamish. His other suggestion was alternatively Mary Poppins in an, an Assassin's Creed type game. <laughs> where you must go around Victorian London blowing the other nannies away in gusts of wind or trapping them in chalk drawings in order to secure your spot in the bank's home. A detailed skill tree lets you upgrade your sliding up the banister speed, but you begin the game at level 100, practically perfect in every way, and it's impossible to die. So this is like a sinister turn. (laughs) So is he presupposing that Mary Poppins does away with all the nannies before she enters the scene. Yeah, doesn't she? Not like literally does away as in like slits their throats and tosses them in the Thames, but doesn't she like blow them all the way when they're queuing up? I'm trying to remember. I actually completely forgot I've seen Mary Poppins Returns as well, which despite the fact I'm a massive fan of Emily Blunt and Ben Whishaw, who's in that too, uh, was pretty shit. (laughs) Um, I liked it oh well there you go then so that's Poppins Creed Uh, got (laughs) another email uh, from Aaron who has suggested Existens it's wonderfully weird and would make a great atmospheric horror game and yeah actually I think we'll probably maybe one day do an Existens episode the David Cronenberg Mm. movie with uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh and Jude Law um, but I like the idea of, you know, a, a making a video game of a movie which plays around with the ideas of reality and unreality. And there's so many video games which have that sort of trope anyway in terms of like, oh, what am I imagining? Is it real? Is it not real? But I haven't seen too many video games where you go into a video game in the video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had you to finish it. And then you think, am I still playing the video game? Yeah, it runs the credits for the video game you're playing in the video game. And then you come out of the video game and then you've still got, like, the boss to do or something. (laughs) I can only... I mean, I have seen that film, but I think it was at time of release. And so all I can really remember is, I think, Jude Law holding a gun made out of chicken bones. And that just makes me think of Nando's. (laughs) So whenever I go to Nando's which I haven't in the last few months, obviously. I just shout, existence paused! Yeah, well, there's a promotional tie-in. Nando's presents Existence the Game. (laughs) Well, thanks for that suggestion. We got some suggestions on Twitter. One of my my friend David, he he chipped in. Uh, Also on the Ghibli front, he asked if there was ever a game version of Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. So I think it was chomping at the bit for a video game based on Ghibli but I think it also is testament to the fact that they're very creative world builders Mm. and 
the fact that you want to sort of inhabit the worlds that they create is, I think, because the films themselves already feel quite immersive and you get a real sense of space and location and setting. So you can almost sort of imagine what a game would be like, regardless of like, you know, the narrative of of the of the film itself. I mean, when we talked about the Animal Crossing movie, I think we mentioned that it felt very Studio Ghibli and the game themselves feels very Studio Ghibli, so they're very gentle and things like that. Apart from a blatant anti-war message or which permeates a lot of the Ghibli films, which is a good thing. I'm not saying I'm pro-war or anything. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think David and uh, Hamish are both on the on our page, really. We've also got um, somebody on Twitter who calls himself uh, the Bonsai Treehouse at Bonsai Treehouse. They've got an interesting idea. They wanted a Mission Impossible video game. It's Deus Ex meets Left 4 Dead, so it's sort of like a specialised co-op. So in in Left 4 Dead. There is a sort of AI director which introduces zombies at inopportune moments. And I think in Mission Impossible, in the films at least, the, the half the fun is that they plan a mission and then have to adapt as things start to unravel. It's kind of a, a miracle that any of their missions ever actually <laughs> complete. Although I remember Anthony Hopkins said this isn't Mission Difficult, this is Mission Impossible in the sequel. Because there was a Mission Impossible N64 game loosely based on the first Mm. movie, but I think that was fairly sort of standard third-person spy antics. So I like the Mm. suggestion that it's more like a kind of co-op mission Mm. where you have different roles and, and having to react to different wrinkles in your mission. I understand the the intention. I mean, it would be fun to try and adapt to sudden changes, but I'm just thinking about all the times you and I, Rory, have tried to do like Rainbow Six and we have a plan. And even when nothing on the enemy end goes wrong, we manage to mess it up royally. <laughs> we spend yeah. half the time like shrieking because the things are wrong. So <laughs> I think it would be a game strictly aimed at very good games players and maybe <laughs> not maybe not us david lightfoot who does the music for our show they suggested a snowpiercer which would make a very good video game uh which if you don't know snowpiercer which has just been turned into a tv show i think it's a it's a train going constantly around the world each carriage on the train it's kind of a, a different class, isn't it? It's a commentary on class. So I don't know what type of game he's suggesting, but I would imagine I think side-scroller makes side sense. Side-scroller, yeah. <laughs> All side-scrolling beat-em-ups have like a train level, don't they? A, sort of an underground level. <laughs> mm. Also mentions uh, Onward, which I imagine would be a quest, like the Pixar film, Escape from New York, and Laputa. What was Laputa again? Is that Castle more? in the Sky Ghibli? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, more Ghibli. You're hearing this, hey, Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> he listens. He he listens to podcasts via vinyl record, which he has pressed especially. He's going to hand draw every single cell of the video game. And finally, we have um, Dean, who goes by at Spleenzilla on Twitter, who asked for a Jawa game from Star Wars. So you're scavenging and looting for droids, repairing and selling them at extortionate prices. 
Um, I actually had a good old laugh about this idea earlier because I imagine it being like one of those resource management games like Civilization or, or, or any sort of like harvesting game, but where the resources are sentient and they're running away. <laughs> so um, rather than just like hitting stones and getting iron ore and things, you'd have these droids running across the desert streaking and you'd have to really like chase them down and shoot them and with their <laughs> with, with your gun and you'd have one button dedicated to utini presets for utini <laughs> exactly which which means everything obviously i think the mandalorian tv show recently revealed it, it answered like a long-standing question in star wars which was do jawas show up in other planets because we only have ever seen them on tatooine and i believe we do so i think you could have also other planets which might not even be desert planets where you could drive your sand crawler. That wouldn't work. What would you call it? Cloud crawler? I'd like to see them drive along Cloud City. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the uh, when you said that the Mandalorian revealed something about Jawas people have been asking for a while, I thought you meant like, what happens when they pull over their hoods? Is it face or is it just beady eyes or are they wearing like a balaclava? That's the question. They've got lights for eyes, and I've never even considered before if they're like robots or something. Are they cannibalising their own kind? Oh my god. <laughs> mean, meanwhile, people who have been reading the Star Wars Extended Universe forever are like, no, 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 no. Uh, we'll have to ask Stephen Trumbull, who was yes. our guest on our Star Wars video games episode. He'll know, he'll know. And we also got some suggestions via our Facebook page. Uh, on our social medias, we're at Games on Film Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and we're at facebook.com slash gamesonfilmpod. And uh, we got some suggestions. Uh, we have Edwin, who also hosts the Shot Reverse Shot podcast, and he suggested a Persona-type game based on Wayne's World, which I've no idea how it will work, but I, I don't know whether it'll be one of the like sort of Persona dancing spin-off music ones or something, or... I don't know, it's like a sort of RPG set around Aurora, Illinois, or wherever <laughs> Wayne's World set, but um, I can imagine a video game where uh, Wayne and Garth get in their Murphmobile and go on various adventures together. Stephen has suggested uh, there's got to be a way to make a Pacific Rim game. I imagine a mm. cross between Smash Brothers and Tower Defense. So I like the idea of some sort of I don't know, like invading forces and you have to manage the city from being completely destroyed while also smashing a giant monster while wearing a robot suit. Well, I mean, the huge part of the first Pacific Rim film, I can't remember how much it factored into the second, was 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 drifting, I think. you It was not one person in one of the mechs, was it? In one of the Jaegers. See, I, I pulled that out there. <laughs> um, you... You were it was co-op, wasn't it? So you'd have two people controlling a robot, which may be fun. I think it'd more likely be a complete pain in the ass to implement. I've been playing Octodad with uh, oh right, my, yes, <laughs> with my fiance Lisa, where one of us controls uh, the right leg and the right arm, and the other one controls the left leg and the left arm, and mm -hmm. that is horrendous, but it's a lot of fun. So I'd like to see. Pacific Rim with that same <laughs> sort of style <laughs> where just like arms and legs flailing, smashing buildings. Uh, well, yeah, speaking of fiancés, uh, my wife, uh, Amanda, 
had some ideas. <laughs> I don't know why I paused there. I think I'm just thinking she might show up in an episode, but I've yet to convince her. Her first idea was Showgirls, <laughs> the game. Mm. Uh, her words, you play as a horrific stripper. <laughs> she said, no disrespect to strippers, but the strippers in that film are horrific. So she knows she knows her stuff. Uh, she also said Legally Blonde, Ace Attorney, which was basically yes. the Ace Attorney, but with a, but cute and with a dog. And uh, my favourite one, and this is what I was talking about earlier, how we're talking about films, which we never really get to talk about on the podcast. Um, a game based on whatever happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> I've written a letter to Daddy. His address is heaven above. I've written, dear daddy, we miss you. And wish you were with us to love. Instead of a stamp, I put kisses. The postman says that's best to do. I've written a letter to Daddy saying I love you. And it's basically a wheelchair escape simulator. You are trapped in this house where your horrific sister is keeping you there. And you have to try and escape the house she you've been trapped in. And you're in a wheelchair. And you can do things like getting baby Jane to sing her favourite song, I've written a letter to Daddy, in order to distract her for a time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could do things like trying to poison her tea to get her to fall asleep for a bit and escape the house. <laughs> Just, um, that really tickled me. <laughs> I could see how maybe you could re-skin it and make it a misery game as well. Oh. Oh, absolutely, yes. There'll be a, like a black and white mode and then a colour mode. Basically, mm. there's not enough video games when you're in a wheelchair trying to escape from a tyrant. <laughs> uh, a few more from the Facebook page. Alexei has suggested The Apple, of course. He actually lent me this on DVD and we watched it together. So I imagine some sort of like rhythm dancing, just dance, narrative-led music a rhythm game where you have to like dance in different routines i never heard of the apple until you told me about it so it's it's basically a terrible musical set in the future it's kind of like a rock opera version of britain's got talent i suppose i imagine the rights are quite cheap we also have Kay, who suggested a third-person action shooter brawler based on john wick Very so because nice. there was there was john wick hex from mike bithell who um it's more like a kind of tactical uh, game where you have to like predict what the enemies are going to do like several steps ahead and then the way you move like counts as a turn etc so mm -hmm. it's like a sort of strategic uh killing game <laughs> i mm. suppose but uh yeah i think there's definitely more that can be done in the john wickerverse maybe something like you know, no more heroes in a way like Highlander game you were suggesting. But I think, you know, there's all this idea of this expanded law in John Wick that is ripe for spin-offery. Isn't there a TV show in development based around the hotels in John Wick? Yeah, the Continental, but I'm not sure if that's still going or not. Mm. 
but like a video game, a hotel management game. <laughs> <laughs> hotel for assassins. There's um Hotel Artemis, which is that Jodie Foster film. Yeah, like theme hospital, but you have to like send bloodied uh, suits to the dry cleaners and <laughs> that kind of stuff. The concierge. I know um, that person said they wanted it to be a third person video game. But in all honesty, if they did a first person shooter version of John Wick, all they'd need to do is have the gun in front of you be side on like John Wick holds it. And I'd <laughs> go, ooh, I'm John Wick. <laughs> And uh, a few more suggestions. These came from Christian, who suggested The Last Dragon. If you haven't seen this movie, it's an absolute treat. I'd love to see a beat em up, which I haven't seen it. I, I wasn't. It seems like one of those films where it's like released in the mid 80s and probably similar to Big Trouble in Little China. It's like if you grew up with it, then it's like your favorite movie. But it was like produced by Motown, so it's got this sort of weird mix of martial arts and musical numbers i think um but it looks mm-hmm. like a lot of fun i remember coming across it from a how did this get made episode a few years back and um <laughs> it's definitely something on my to watch list uh he also suggested again with john carpenter they live oh that's a good idea as a third person shooter i like the idea that you know you might have to like switch between wearing the shades and not wearing the shades and like you know, you have to like sort of like flip between the two and check whether you can kill that person or not. So yeah, <laughs> are they no, alien or no? that's what I thought. I mean, games like the NES version of A Nightmare on Elm Street and also Castlevania Two have levels which they change their mode and things are different. And I really like that idea. It'd be interesting if, say, I know it's not what the film does, but if you could only wear those magic sunglasses for a short amount of time. So you had to sparingly use them so you know which people were aliens and which were normal human beings. Mm. That's a really good one. And uh, last one also from Christian was Last of the Mohicans as a sort of open world sandbox game. And I think that's like an interesting area to explore. I think you could do something hopefully sensitively, but in a Native American landscape, open world style game. An avenue. I think there's an Assassin's Creed game which sort of has something along those lines, but I think there's probably something more you could do with that as well. So, yeah, well, that's the last of our suggestions. So thank you very much, everyone who contacted us and left us uh, some of your suggestions. All of them uh, I can imagine playing, and now I'm going to be very sad that I don't have an opportunity to do so. That's the problem with living in a fantasy world and doing an episode like this is that we go away from this whole experience imagining what could be and what isn't and go back to the real world and it sucks (laughs) damn intellectual property damn it to hell (laughs) i suggested this to my lawyer wife um recently that i'd love there to be a day like the purge but just on that one day you could make intellectual property products on anything you wanted and she looked at me like i was insane (laughs) finally i can print all those t-shirts of bart simpson saying don't have a a lamb man don't have a lamb man that's the war (laughs) i've been to other countries which have many non-legitimate bart simpson shirts although i did find i found um that simpson's trading card i think it was hamish who gave us 
I think trading I gave cards. you them. Oh, no, you gave me a Simpsons trading cards, which has Homer exclaiming, for the last time, I am the parent and you are the child, which... Yeah. Uh, the card was produced in 1990, and I think that was when there wasn't a very deep bench of Homer Simpson sayings. And it's furthermore, a great he, he was shouting at Lisa and Maggie. Bart was nowhere to be seen, so something had got him and completely enraged enough to shout that at his uh, young daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so those were our imaginary video games based on real life movies but uh what is going to be the next real life movie that we tackle our next episode we are going to be looking at the 80s family film classic the wizard is that classic in inverted commas i'll leave <laughs> that to the audience to decide yes it's uh an old movie which isn't directly based on a video game but it's very much inspired by the existence of the nintendo entertainment system <laughs> and promotional tie-ins thereof yeah i was gonna say inspired perhaps funded slightly by <laughs> yeah it was very much a film i always wanted to see when i was a kid and i eventually saw it when i was a bit older and uh very keen to revisit it again in aid of the podcast uh, in the meantime how can people keep in touch with us well you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at games on film pod and email us games on film pod at gmail.com all the information about the podcast is available on our website that's games on slash podcast and that's where you can also find ways to support the show we have an amazon wish list and we also have a coffee account uh, where you can give us a little bit of money and we can use that towards hosting the podcast and also purchasing and renting the movies that we watch for it. You can find all episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, indeed, hopefully, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please like, rate, review, subscribe and share with friends, family and like-minded individuals. And the music for Games on Film was created by David Lightfoot. So thanks again very much for all your suggestions and thanks very much for listening to Games on Film. It's very nice to be back after a little hiatus and while we will still be recording remotely with each other, hopefully the episodes will still sound as good as before. Maybe even better <laughs> that we're not actually in the same space. I, that's very diplomatic. They'll be as good as before. <laughs> but yes pleasure to be back thanks for listening again i've been harry i've been rory thank you very much for listening take care bye bye, bye.